Our top story on the KRMG Morning News with Dan Potter happening now at KRMG Morning News, 8 a.m. in-depth hour looking at the state of the cannabis state. By any measure, Oklahoma's medical cannabis program took off much quicker than anyone expected. Regulators, administrators, and lawmakers have been scrambling to negotiate tough issues like job safety, gun rights, and privacy, all while struggling against the headwinds of federal laws. Federal laws that still consider any use of cannabis to be criminal. Despite the challenges, this month, Oklahoma hit a new benchmark, more than a quarter million licensed medical marijuana patients. This hour, we will hear from Oklahomans still struggling with the ethics of medical marijuana. Uh, We'll tour one of the largest cannabis growing operations in green country. And we will talk with an addictions expert who believes that there have been some definite downsides to the passage and implementation of State Question 788. KRMG goes in-depth. Our hour begins with KRMG's Russell Mills. To be clear, this is an unofficial statement. That's because the numbers for February aren't in just yet. I spoke with Terry Watkins, Director of Communications at the Oklahoma Medical Marijuana Authority. We were at 247,000 actually licensed at the end of January. Do we have any idea how many people have signed up in February or no. what, the, what the volume has been? I will know sometime next week. So I did a little digging. According to OMMA's Twitter feed, as of late last year, they were averaging about 3,500 patient applications a week. The all-time record, nearly 1,800 applications in a single day. It comes and goes on any given week, especially with holidays mm-hmm. and uh, long weekends and things like that. So, so how many I did we have to check with? I'm sorry. How many did we have in January? Do you know? Does it break it down like monthly? No, what I have is the figures at the end of each month. I ask them to provide them, and we put them out on Twitter. So back to their Twitter feed I go, and here's what their numbers say. In the last three months, they've averaged more than 12,000 patient licenses issued per month, which means we likely passed the 250,000 mark the first week in February. All those people have a lot of questions, and Watkins says there has been some confusion, which is understandable. Part of it is a lack of understanding of how quickly this agency had to be stood up after the vote. I mean, there was a very, very limited time period in which to get the first license out the door under the state question vote. And so it it created a lot of misunderstanding. It created a lot of inability to communicate properly because so much had to be done behind the scenes in order to process that license and get it out the door. The first licenses went out in September of 2018, and they'll be up for renewal later this year. But the renewal process itself won't be announced until later this month and will actually begin in July. We'll start getting it out there probably around the middle of March, which will give people March, April, May, June, to begin preparing and putting together what they need to do. And then they'll have uh, from July at least until the very least September to get that process completed. I did ask Watkins why the OMMA wasn't ready to release that information just yet. Really, since we're not going to be disseminating information out until March that I haven't laid out exactly with everybody and ask everybody who will be doing that process to lay it all out for me. Because if we put it out too soon... It will also be confusing. She says there are no major changes on the horizon at the moment, but... We're monitoring quite a bit of legislation out there, so as that process goes through, we'll be keeping the public informed on any changes. And in fact, lawmakers heard nearly 20 bills on medical cannabis this session, though not all of them made it through committee. 
We'll keep you advised. Russell Mills, 1023 KRMG, Tulsa's News and Talk. Issues that matter to you. Expanded on the KRMG Morning News 8 a.m. in-depth hour. Oklahoma has about 2,300 medical cannabis dispensaries. That is uh, more than all states but one. Only Oregon has more per capita. In Tulsa, there are about 10 dispensaries for every 50,000 people. To supply those dispensaries, the OMMA lists almost 6,000 licensed growers in the state. One of the largest in green country is on the west side of Pryor. In the old Elks Lodge off of Highway 20, it's called PHB Growers. Chris Hassinger is one of the owners, and he agreed to give me a tour. We began in a small office area just inside a very squeaky front door. Chris, Dan Potter. Hey, Dan. How are you? Chris, good to meet you. Nice to meet you. You got time to do this? Absolutely. Okay. Where are you from, Chris? From here in Pryor, Oklahoma. You grew up in Pryor? Yeah. What did you do before this? Uh, actually, I own a truss company here outside of town. We manufacture roof and floor trusses, a uh, family business. I'm third third generation owner in it. Um, and then once the... Uh, uh, state question passed. I just kind of researched this industry and uh, looked like it was something that uh, might be worth getting into. Uh, talk talked to a partner and uh, we we just dove off head first into it. I don't know about your trust business, but I'm going to assume it's a thriving business and yeah. you had a career. This seems like a risk. I mean, you you did your research, though. Yeah, yeah. We uh, I've uh, toured several states, uh, looking at various grow facilities. Uh, of course, gone to gone to conventions in you know Vegas, Oklahoma City, Colorado, scattered all about. Um, did did lots of research into it. It's uh, definitely a much more complex business than a lot of people realize. Uh, they think uh, you know on the growing side, you throw some seeds in uh, in some soil, uh, put some water water on them and they just start growing and uh, uh, this this industry is so much of a science it, it actually has amazed me a lot talk to me about the challenges of getting the business off the ground in Oklahoma and being such a new territory for this business there were some challenges with the uh, local uh, city government um, you know of course uh, uh, there was a lot of resistance to this type of industry um they were uh you know looking at it as a narcotic versus uh you know a pharmaceutical basically so there were a lot of uh a lot of uh complexities with uh the city not not being real sure about uh you know wanting the industry here um however the vast majority of them uh realized it pretty early on um and I think that uh, we've we've kind of turned some heads through the course of doing all this that uh, they've realized the importance of what we're doing rather than us, you know, doing harm to the community. You are in what used to be an Elks Lodge. Yes. I imagine that the members of the Elks Lodge had no idea that <laughs> their building would eventually end up being a, a grow house. How did you find this place? Actually, uh, initially we were going to put our grow facility into a uh, building that we had over in Inola, um, Oklahoma. We had bought uh, this property a few years back uh, just to uh, renovate, uh, refurbish it, and flip it, basically, to... Uh, uh, somebody you know looking for a facility like this and then uh, we realized you know we're we're about a 20,000 square foot building here and uh, the utilities here in prior are, are uh, 
much more economical than they were in Inola, which is uh, plays a big factor in our industry. So we decided to uh, revamp this building, uh, basically gutted it out and uh, uh, converted it over so that we could uh, do our work in here. Are you a patient? No, I am not. Have you ever smoked? Yes, I have. Your thoughts about uh, cannabis as you know as a pharmaceutical and as a recreational tool cannabis uh, has a lot of benefits on the pharmaceutical side of it and I'm really kind of excited to see how things develop now that it has become more legal there's more science uh, more research going into it uh, there's cannabinoids being new cannabinoids being discovered uh, frequently and and I think that there's going to be a lot more benefits that'll be developed uh, later on now you know I, I would have to agree with uh, a lot of people in viewing that uh, the medical laws here in Oklahoma are uh, more along the lines of uh, what I would call a licensed recreational. Uh, You kind of like getting your uh, card to get into the country club and uh, it is used more recreational probably than medical but I believe that there are a lot of people out there that do benefit a lot from the medical side of it. And uh, you know, there's a there's a lot of uh, conditions that it helps with that, uh, you know, just everyday life, anxiety, insomnia, uh, things like that, that uh, people may view it as uh, that may not be something that you necessarily need to use medically, but uh, is it any different than taking a, a melatonin pill to try and get some sleep? You know, there are 17, I think, different bills in this legislative session that deal with one aspect or another of this industry. Are there any that you're keeping your eye on real closely? Honestly, I have uh, sadly not had enough time to uh, really track what uh, the changing legislation is. Uh, I have a lady in here working for us that uh, is kind of keeping an eye on all of that, but uh, I've been so busy trying to get the business itself going um, that I'm having to rely on other people to, to track the changes in the legislation. And how about here in prior is the community more accepting now? Do you feel like a good uh, corporate citizen of prior? Yes, I believe so. I, I truly believe so. Um, the uh, one, one of the questions the mayor asked me when, when we first met, we had a new mayor take office during our build-out. Um, he asked me how I uh, addressed questions concerning the ethics of what it was I did. Um, by that question, I am assuming that he believed what I was doing to be unethical. Um, I believe that his his view and opinion of us and what we do has has changed through the course of seeing what we do and how we operate our business and and how everything is progressing forward. Will you show me your place? Absolutely. You're listening to a KRMG Morning News 8 a.m. in-depth hour, the state of the cannabis state. I'm Dan Potter, and we'll go on that tour of PHB growers in just a moment. But given what Chris Hassinger said right there about the mayor of Pryor perhaps having a change of heart about the medical marijuana industry, we thought we'd give Mayor Larry Lees a call and see if, in fact, that's the case. Personally, in approaching things from a position of my faith and and looking at uh, something that would have the potential um, – over time to be uh, damaging to uh, the, to the community, to the population. Uh, that's a, that's a conviction that I had. So as, as mayor and as a citizen, you uphold the law and you participate appropriately 
uh, with uh, uh, with community, and and you obey the law, you defend the law, even if you don't agree with the law. So initially, I'm saying, okay, hold on, wait a minute, let's let's look at this, let's evaluate this. You know, it's my job uh, to defend every one of our citizens, every one of our businesses, and they participate in a lawful manner. Uh, then I defend them. I defend them, no matter what my personal uh, convictions are uh, about 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 something. Uh, Mr. Hassinger was obeying the law and, and completely within his rights uh, uh, to uh, to build the place. He went through all the processes uh, correctly uh, with the zoning. Uh, our municipal utility board. Um, uh, was excited about serving uh, serving the needs of that company uh, with power and with water and and uh, with uh, with the utilities, you know, with with his business. There are many people in town that wish his business was not there just because of a, a personal conviction of uh, the drug that's uh, promoted through what he sells. And so that's a personal conflict that maybe maybe citizens have. You know, but he is—he is a good citizen. He—he uh, he is second generation. Uh, the Hassingers is second generation business uh, here in Pryor. They've been here for a long, long time. He's an upstanding guy, and and uh, uh, I'm glad to know him. I mean, he's a friend of mine. Pryor Mayor Larry Lees, 1023 KRMG, Tulsa's news and talk, where we tell you the three big things you need to know every 15 minutes, all day. Now back to the KRMG Morning News, 8 a.m. in-depth hour. Seriously, a quarter of a million people in Oklahoma have a medical marijuana card. I call Bravo Sierra on that one. I would lay money that at least 200,000 of them are just potheads. I don't have a medical card, so my unbiased opinion is that 250,000 is barely 6% of Oklahoma's population. It ain't a big deal. Let it go. So far, the only thing I've seen with medical marijuana is that kids and friends now have easier access to marijuana because somebody has a medical marijuana card and all my friends kids are smoking it and doing all this crap because it's easy to get now and they don't think anything's wrong with it if it's truly medical marijuana then why are we allowing people to get medical marijuana cards online without a visit with a true doctor that tells me it's really recreational with a medical label. It's an in-depth examination of the state of the cannabis state on the KRMG Morning News 8 a.m. in-depth hour this morning, and we're about to get an inside look at one of the largest marijuana grow operations in the state. It is PHB Growers in Pryor, and our tour guide is co-owner Chris Hassinger. The herbaceous aroma is everywhere. I mean, you can smell it coming up the steps. Yeah, it- uh, on on calm, still days, you can uh, smell it actually driving down the road. <laughs> we try to use carbon filter scrubbers uh, within the building uh, to you know try and clean up uh, that that smell as much as we can so that it's not a nuisance to to neighbors around here. But fortunately, we're in a location that's pretty pretty distant. This first room you've taken me into a very bright room, a lot of uh, green plants almost the size of um, let's say a ficus that you might have in the office 
Um, these are, what am I looking at? These, these are our mother plants. Um, uh, just about every one of these uh, plants in here is all a different strain. Um, over here on these shelves, you see these uh, large tubs with sprouts sticking out of them. Those are our uh, cloning stations where we actually uh, take cuttings off of uh, generally the lower sections of the mother plants um, and then place them into the cloning stations. Within about uh, five to seven days, they will actually grow and build a root structure coming out of the bottom of the stem. And then uh, those plants can then be turned around and, and go into soil and, and ready to, to grow on further. So how many mother plants do you say you have in here? How many different varieties? Uh, I'm going to say in this room we probably got somewhere in the neighborhood of 32 to 36. Each one with its own cannabinoid profile and its own different own, properties. Right? Own, own terpene profiles and uh, yeah, they, uh, they all have, have different effects. Uh, you know, whether you're looking for something for uh, insomnia or, uh, you know, Parkinson's or... Uh, uh, epilepsy seizures uh, you know we, we see uh, we see all kinds of uh, different questions concerning you know what works for whatever affliction uh, those people have at the time every plant seems to have its own unique properties in its own little niche you can't I, I don't think legally you can bring the plants or the seeds in from outside the state right that is correct. We have actually started some of our own genetics and uh, we're breeding uh, some of our own plants and trying to come up with new strains and, and creating seeds. The vast majority of our plants are uh, uh, that go into our grow areas are come from clones, from the mother plants. Uh, then we will grow uh, eight to ten clones of a uh, of a specific strain and then uh, once those get big enough we'll clone them out again and then that will give us uh, 60 70 80 plants in order to create a run so that we can uh, put them all the way through vegetation and flowering do you sell cuttings to other growers for instance or is your market strictly dispensaries uh, we sold cuttings to growers early on um, but we do not any more with the exception of we have two satellite grows um, they're uh, basically partnerships that we've developed with two smaller growers and uh, we do help provide them with genetics and the knowledge to grow and uh, and and develop their products as well and then uh, we we market and sell uh, the majority of, of what they grow Besides selling flour to dispensaries, do you also sell flour to processors who will turn it into edibles? Uh, we've sold a little bit to processors, but uh, we also have our uh, our license for processing, okay. and we've got a processing facility here uh, here uh, in our building uh, doing CO2 extraction, uh, creating uh, uh, pin oils, uh, butters, nectars. Uh, uh, pre-rolls uh, and uh, distillate and uh, various things like that so our uh, facility uh, is, as far as the flower is broke up into three different flower rooms uh, this is our flower room one it's got uh, about uh, 70 lights in this room I believe and we alternate our light cycles. Uh, once these plants go into flower, uh, they're uh, 12 hours on, 12 hours off with their light. 
Uh, our facility is so big and uses so much plow, uh, power that we actually try to alternate. We do uh, two of the small flower rooms. Uh, lights come on while the middle room is off. And then uh, once they go off, the middle room comes on and it helps to balance our, our power load. Is power your biggest overhead? No, labor actually. Labor yeah. But uh, yeah, our, our utility bill last month I think was uh, just just short of 17000 Wow. Issues that matter to you. Expanded on the KRMG Morning News 8 a.m. In-Depth Hour. By our calculations, Oklahoma sometime this month crossed a significant threshold, registering the state's 250,000th medical marijuana user, under a year and a half since the first licenses were issued. In fact, those first licensees will have to start thinking about renewing their licenses toward the end of this year, a process that the state hasn't really revealed yet. In case you missed it, Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt was with us in the studio earlier this morning, and I asked him how he thinks legalized medical marijuana is working out for the state. Governor Stitt, are you surprised by the growth of the medical marijuana industry in Oklahoma? You know, I am. I, I think what did we hear? It was uh, second in the nation in uh, terms of dispensaries, yeah, per capita, per capita second yeah. in the nation statewide. And Tulsa, 17th. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, it's unbelievable. I don't know exactly the numbers on the on the tax revenue that we're receiving, but uh, it is an all cash business. Uh, there's 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 problems with with that. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, you know, the feds need to get involved to figure out how do we how do we change the the cash system to make sure you can do payment processing there's some there's some uh national chartered banks that are taking that cash right now but uh in the state we're still having issues with that and the businesses you know we did we did some legislation last year to clarify a safe working environment because the manufacturers the businesses are really concerned about uh the liability they have when they're driving trucks and forklifts et cetera et cetera so uh, we did some legislation to clean up that language to make sure that businesses were safe safe and how they deal with folks that have a, a medical card and operating their equipment. There are 17 pieces of legislation, I think, that lawmakers are looking at in regards to medical marijuana beyond the issue with cash money. Is there anything else you would like to see them address? Any course corrections? Mostly my issues are around making sure that our businesses are protected, that businesses coming into the state know how to deal with that issue. And that's the basically what I hear from the, from the, from the business community is when they hire people, we've got to have a safe working environment. They can't put themselves out to some kind of liability issue with people that are uh, operating equipment with that card in the balance of when people actually need medical uh, help and it's and it's uh, and it's a and it's a medicine form so kind of that uh, balance is, is what we're looking for Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt speaking to the KRMG morning news here in studio earlier this morning all right let's resume our tour of one of the state's largest marijuana grow houses PHB growers in Pryor with co-owner Chris Hassinger Uh, By the way, you can find pictures from our tour on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for KRMG Tulsa. This is our flower room, too. Uh, We've got, uh, I believe, 118 lights in this room. This is is our uh, biggest flower room. We actually break this room up into four different harvests. Um, we harvested this entire room once, and uh, it was it was quite a workload. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking at a quarter of it now is is down to the soil. So you, it looks like you've harvested a quarter of it, and immediately to the left of those that have been harvested are some plants with some massive buds on them. So it, it, I mean, it looks like these are almost ready to harvest. Yes, those uh, those will be harvested uh, probably during the rest of this week. 
we actually break our entire facility up into seven harvests and try to do a harvest about every 10 days to two weeks. So we constantly have flower coming off. From planting a cutting until you bring a flower off, how long does it take? Uh, you're looking at about 22 to 24 weeks and then you have uh, another week of drying and then uh, ideally about three to four weeks of curing before that flower is ready to go to go to market another this is a very brightly lit room that we're entering now and a large one with different size plants this is this is our veg area uh, Veg is where we bring the plants in and actually grow them up until they're big enough to put into flower. Uh, the veg area, we run a longer light cycle. It's uh, about uh, 16 hours on, eight hours off. Kind of uh, makes the plants think that it's uh, summertime, long days. So as long as we have the plants in here, they won't go into flower and they won't produce any flower. So we can actually grow them as, as big or as small as we want before we put them into flower. Once they go into the flower room and that light cycle changes to uh, 12 on, 12 off, and then the color spectrum of the light also changes more similar to the uh, autumn sun, more uh, oranges, red hues within the light, then that triggers the plants into thinking, okay, now it's time to produce flowers in order to reproduce. I mean, I can already sense just how complex this is what am i missing what are the, some of the other complexities we have lots of uh things that come up along the way uh you know we had a bout with uh, some brood mites come in and uh they they started uh, attacking the plants we actually lost uh, quite a bit of crop to to those brood mites uh, other common problems within the industry uh, powdery mildew uh, aphids uh, russet mites uh, there's there's just all kinds of hosts of, of different pests how big or thin is your profit margin uh, right now it's uh, it's it's pretty thin but uh, I think that a lot of that is because we are just trying to uh, throw as much as we can back into the facility to to help improve it improve the way that we're doing things and uh, you know get our processing side up and up and going um, <clears throat> my my guys all get a paycheck every week but uh, I've yet to see one okay. right. <laughs> that, that's pretty good illustration of it what you're telling me is basically you're, you're, you're losing money for now Right. That's that's correct. Uh, until we can get good systems in place and uh, and get everything running running smoothly, um, we're we're just trying to uh, tread water. Since this is a new industry, there's probably a lot of growers struggling. Yeah, uh, a lot of growers have have really been fighting that this year. Um, outdoor growers, uh, you know, a lot a lot of product came to market once they harvested their outdoor crops, but Oklahoma's uh, to me doesn't seem to be an ideal environment. Uh, our humidity levels are, are very high and, and it's very difficult for a lot of the outdoor growers. Most of their flower was uh, you know, of a much lower quality versus an indoor grow. Um, the other battle a lot of outdoor growers are fighting is now that uh, commercial hemp is in the grow phases, uh, hemp will cross-pollinate 
with um, marijuana and so uh, the vast majority of these outdoor crops ended up completely seeded. You're listening to a special KRMG Morning News 8 a.m. in-depth hour, the state of the cannabis state. Our tour of PHB growers in prior, ending in PHB's processing lab. Here again is co-owner Chris Hassinger. As much uh, science as goes into uh, the growing of the plants, uh, even more of it comes into play back here in this processing room. This over here is a, a CO2 extraction machine. Uh, we're able to load uh, between uh, 7 and 10 pounds of uh, product at a time into this chamber. Uh, CO2 is then uh, pressurized and pushed in through the plant material. Uh, at, at that high pressure, CO2 actually takes on uh, basically a liquid state. So it uh, submerges into the plant and it actually dissolves the, the cannabinoids and, uh, and terpenes. And once they dissolve into the CO2, the CO2 is pulled through into another vessel. Uh, temperatures drop, pre or the temperatures brought up, pressures brought up, and that CO2 is then evaporated off, recovered, and it leaves nothing but the, uh, the cannabinoids, the terpenes, the oils uh, from inside of the plant. Do you feel like you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube now that this industry is here to stay, or do you worry that one morning the legislative, you know, whim may change and this could all go away? Uh, I'm going to say that that probably is a possibility, but uh, I don't see it as a probability. Um, I think that the uh, you know the public has has spoken whenever they uh, whenever they cast their vote on. State Question 788, and I think a lot of the public has also uh, kind of had their their uh, eyes opened a little bit to this industry, and and I think a lot of people are now seeing the benefits of it that they may not have seen before because they were blinded by the the fact that uh, uh, they thought it was just a narcotic that was you know being made legal. With more than a quarter million medical marijuana licenses being issued, we wondered if it's having an impact on addiction or maybe leading to addiction problems. KRMG's Rick Corey talking to a doctor specializing in addiction and to a treatment facility. Dr. James Meehan's been in practice 21 years. His specialty is addiction medicine. I ask him, now that we're more than a year into medical marijuana in Oklahoma, is his practice seeing an uptick in people who are becoming dependent, or is it even possible to become hooked on marijuana? Yeah, you can become addicted to marijuana. I see it quite frequently. However, it definitely doesn't have as high of an addiction index as many of the other more common drugs, more powerful drugs. Um, when used uh, you know, appropriately, the uh, cannabinoid system, cannabis that stimulates the cannabinoid system in our body, you know, it can be used effectively. The problem is, is that it's the industry is is going the way of the tobacco industry. In fact, I think the tobacco industry will take over this this area. Um, they're they're already perfectly poised to do it. The problem is, is that they're hybridizing and they're creating, you know, marketable um, high high, you know, what people are interested in is feeling the effect. Okay. And so more and more of the products are being hybridized and 
created and mixed in a laboratory so that there's a higher THC content. THC, the cannabinoid that has, you know, psychotropic properties is the is the cannabinoid of of, of addiction. It can cause euphoria and pleasure and 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 so it can cause addiction and it does happen and it's more likely to happen when we have kind of this you know, unregulated industry that is more about creating customers than it is about creating solutions. I think that we're going to have a problem with that. Dr. Meehan's not the only one seeing a rise in marijuana patients. So is Brian Day, executive director of 12 and 12, an addiction recovery program here in Tulsa. Now, what we're seeing right now is there's about a 40 percent presentation at 12 and 12 of individuals who are coming in either with a primary or a secondary or a tertiary reporting, you know, of marijuana use. It is a slighted uptick at this point, Rick, um, to be very honest with you. This is a very early, you know, kind of aspect of, you know, uh, legislation change, etc. You know, I kind of remind everyone the opiate crisis which certainly was legal to hand out painkillers, but it was actually several years after uh, we really moved and changed posture for opiate addiction that really, you know, we realized that the addictive behavior was literally harming people and killing people. Not to say that medical marijuana is going to do that, but just some of these take time. Dr. Meehan has other concerns. He's worried about someone beginning on medical marijuana and going further. It is, in many cases, a gateway drug. And, and the biggest concern that we have nowadays is nothing exists in isolation. We've also got these vaping systems that allow, their, you know, allow the, these oils, these CBD, THC oils to be added to um, the liquid that is being vaped by a young person. And, and when, you vape, when you vaporize and inhale a lot of these substances, they, you increase their potency significantly. You get that big spike. So more of a dopamine release, more of a rush, mm-hmm. and more of a potential to lead you into di- addiction. And then imagine that you're, you're um, mixing that with nicotine. One of the highest index of addiction indexes, potential for addiction that there is, about 96.1% um, index of addiction. It is a gateway drug problem that we all have to consider. We're going to continue this discussion online, Facebook, Instagram, to search for KRMG Tulsa. We have pictures from our tour of PHB growers, and uh, we welcome your open mics as well. We'll play back some more of those when we're back on Monday. So uh, keep the conversation going over the weekend. We'll pick it up again on Monday. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.